Welcome back to the Adventures and Missions podcast. This is Bill Swan, and I'm here again with Teresa McMillan. Today we're going to be talking about failure. Uh, this is a topic that both Teresa and I really enjoy, and uh, we've had some discussions about, like, man, we really need to put this out there to talk to people about how to have a healthy view of failure and how to deal with failure well. Um, so, Teresa, first off, I just want to hear from you, like, why is it that you're actually passionate about failure and yeah. talking about failure? Yeah. Well, I first want to start, and Bill didn't know I was going to do this, but I just want to honor Bill. And I think that the reason I can fail well is that you've showed me that as a leader. Bill's been my boss, per se, yeah, my boss for the last three years at Adventures and Missions. And whenever I'd come back from the field, I usually had something that I wanted to tell you that I didn't do right. And you never were (laughs) shocked by it. And you never were like, oh, we're going to take Teresa out of being a leader or whatever. But I was able to fail well and still can fail well under your leadership. And that really helped me. So I want to say that first, that I think it's perfect that you're doing this podcast because you've taught me how to fail well. But this you know how you don't know that you think differently from other people until you're around somebody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so I, failing for me has always been just a part of life. Like growing up, I remember getting my driver's license and I failed the first time. And my dad, he said, I came out of the car like all excited. And it's like, you just take it again. The first time I went into nursing school, I didn't get accepted and I just tried again, and then I didn't pass anatomy and physiology, and I just tried again. And so it's like this thing in me that just knows that that's what you do. So I don't take it like, oh, my gosh, I'm a failure, but I just keep persevering. So, Yeah. It's interesting. I heard you just say that there, like the there's like this difference in I failed versus I'm a failure. Yes. Like, tell me a little bit about the the difference in thinking and language there. Yeah, I think that a lot of us don't like to think that we could ever fail because we do equate it to that. Like, I am a failure now. I'm living in shame and I'm just a mess up and no one's ever going to trust me again. Whereas I see just using that vernacular, we don't even use that vocabulary usually now. But mm-hmm. just being able to be like, yeah, you failed. It's it's okay. Like, you just keep moving. It doesn't actually change who you are. You just made a mistake because you're not perfect. And it's, it's all in how you view it. Because if we think we're perfect, then, of course, we are going to think we're a failure when we fail. But I just decided, it's okay. I just fail. And so it doesn't change who I am. Yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, you even said we don't use that language very often anymore. Yeah. And I definitely hear that all the time. It's like people want to like protect people from failure so much they're like well I don't want you to feel like you failed instead of just being like yeah you failed yeah okay let's let's move on and and it's almost like failure is this thing of like you can't come back from it or something you know and so we're afraid to say to people like hey good try you failed Mm -hmm. let's try again yes exactly I think that's exactly what happens everyone gets a trophy now so it's been like in the last year I realized that our generation is changing to we cannot handle the idea of failure or to 
even have failed. And so I believe it's because our generation is starting to say, you know, everyone gets a trophy. You can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like you can be whatever you want to be, but that's not the body of Christ. God actually asked that each of us are different and he gave us all specific gifts and we're, we're, you can't be whatever you want to be. Yeah. You can try, you can try and striving and all that stuff, but God is actually saying, no, I've made you a specific way and you know what? You're not going to always get it 100. So it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you talked about the fact that kind of like culturally we're swinging that direction. We can't handle failure. Like how, how do you think we got to this place? Like how, how did this, fear of failure becomes so like crippling and mm-hmm. powerful for people. I think we got really relative. We became a you do you boo culture. You believe whatever you want. Your truth is your truth. Um, please don't ever say anything bad to my child or I will sue you. Yeah. You know? And so we got so relative that we got far from absolute truth. And Jesus actually said he's full of grace and truth. And so the grace part is the part that allows you to fail. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But then there's truth. Uh And then there's truth that, yeah, you're actually not right all the time. Or, you know, you do mess up. And so being able to balance both is not something that we're using in our culture today. Yeah. And I, whenever I hear people say that, whenever they're like, hey, you do you, I'm like, no, like that is not okay. You know, And, and it's almost like, it's not just about relativity. It's also about our lack of ability to press in with people and say like, Hey, the way you're doing that is actually wrong and it's not okay. Yeah. And it's almost this thing of like, who are you to tell somebody the way they're doing something isn't right. It's like, well, I am a member of the same body. Like that's, that's who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and we should be able to say that to each other. And I feel like that our, our fear of triggering this failure thing in people is actually perpetuating the inability to cope with failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And totally. I, I've, I've had this conversation with some leaders here at AIM, like how do we normalize failure again? Yeah. And just use the language and be like, hey, good try, failure. Mm-hmm. Okay, start over. Like failure just means try something different. It doesn't mean you stink. You know exactly. what I mean? And I think it's the exact way I started off this podcast. It's you exemplifying it, Bill, to us that we know that we're allowed to fail. You know, I read um, Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackaby. I think Henry, mm-hmm. or one of them. It was one of the Blackabys. But he spoke about you allow your leaders to fail. And they learn that they can fail, which you do. And then once, so you don't need to live in shame. You can actually just come to your leader. So you guys actually do that. And another thing that Adventures and Missions does that's different that I've noticed from other organizations is we do feedback. And so when I first came on the race, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe people are being this direct and telling me what I need to change. But over time, I began to love it, and now it's just a normal part. So I think feedback is another area that helps. Yeah, and for me, um, that that mentality started with my dad. I remember my dad always told me, hey, if you break anything, you screw something up, it's fine. Just come tell me, and we'll figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember a couple of things in particular that really stood out to me. One of them was I was probably 13 years old and um, I went to move our camper. Like our family had a camper mm-hmm. and um, I was allowed to move cars and stuff when I was 13, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was moving this and I, I hit the carport and I mm-hmm. like broke a clip off the awning, you know. Mm-hmm. And so right away, like I didn't even wait. I just called my dad at work. I was like, hey, dad, I was moving the camper. I broke this. And my dad's like, okay, I'll take a look at it when we get home. No worries, you know. 
And so my dad gets home and he looks at it and he goes, oh man, that's nothing. I ever tell you about the time when I broke my dad's and he like tells me a story about a time wow. that he failed. And it was just this thing of like, hey, it's okay. Wow. Like, but don't hide. Let me tell you, like, here's what you need to watch for next time. Here's how you keep an eye on that. But yeah. it's okay. And then, awesome. and then it really stood out to me again. I was doing home remodeling for a season and my mm-hmm. boss was uh, incredible at this. And I didn't have any experience doing anything with carpentry. And so I remember multiple times I would screw things up and I'd be like, oh mm-hmm. man. And I'd go talk to him and his name was Jeff. And um, I would be like, Jeff, I broke this thing. He goes, oh, let me show you how to fix that. And mm-hmm. never once did he respond with like anger or condemnation. It's mm-hmm. like, all right. You need to slow down when you do this a little bit and let me show you how to fix that. And, and it just, at that point, it really made me understand. I was like, when I lead people, that's mm-hmm. how I want to lead. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I had anything to fear from Jeff. Instead, I felt like I had something to learn from Jeff in every failure that I encountered. Wow. That's and, so cool. And that allowed me to learn a ton. Like I picked up a whole lot working with him for a year that I still use to this day. Yeah, you do. It, it makes people feel safe to just fail and keep trying. Yeah. So so tell me, like, how does our view of failure affect kind of how we see ourselves and how we interact with other people? Like, what are what are some implications of this this whole shift that you've seen mm-hmm. um, as you've been leading people? Well, I was planning on sharing this with my squad because I was like, oh wow, failure is a big deal right now. So I wanted to prepare, and I began to think about you will give away how you view yourself. And so if we can't handle that we fail, so we fail, we live in shame, we think we're a failure, we hide, we don't want to tell anybody about our failure because we're supposed to be perfect, we actually give that away to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, for people that are going on the world race, it's like you will have a feeling about somebody at training camp, like, oh my gosh, they're going to be my best friend. They're so great. They're wonderful. <laughs> and then at the end of the race, you don't even talk to him anymore. And it's like, what happened? What was that shift? They ultimately failed you at one point. So they didn't forgive you or they were selfish or whatever. And so we actually give people the exact thing that we treat ourselves with. And so just like we will go into seclusion and hide so we won't be seen, we actually push people away when they fail. And what I love is if we can embrace that we're not perfect, then we're going to be free to fail. We're like, yeah, I failed, you failed. And then everyone can always stay in relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up, you just stop talking to people when they fail you. You just cut them out. And eventually we have this track record of like cutting out everybody from our life because ultimately they failed us at one point. But when we begin to embrace grace in our life, then we can give grace away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, and everybody can laugh at me a little bit, uh, I love the movie Elizabethtown with Orlando Bloom. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Okay, so it starts out, um, Orlando Bloom works for this shoe company, and he designs this revolutionary shoe, Yeah. and um, it basically ends up completely failing, and they have to recall all of them, and he loses his company $900 million, right? Mm-hmm. And so the whole, like, the opening of this movie is all about his huge failure. Wow at this business, right? And then uh, he finds out that his dad has died and his family picks him to be the one to go get the body and they're going to cremate him and get the ashes, right? Mm -hmm. And so he starts, like, he he encounters um, Kirsten Dunst and uh, he ends up in a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And at first he's, like, really intrigued by her. Everything's, like, going well. 
And then there's this scene where he starts to push her away and he's walking mm-hmm. away from her. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, what happened? You know, and he goes, you don't understand. Like, I, he basically is saying, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do you mean? And he goes, I lost my company $900 million. You can round it up to a billion. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you, you think I care? And then she just like kind of, she's like, you failed. You failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. And every time he tries to start talking again, she goes, you failed. And he's getting so frustrated. And she's, and she's just telling him like, you failed. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like that doesn't define the rest of your life and your relationships and everything. But uh, that moment was so mm-hmm. powerful in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think about it all the time with failure. And it's like, yeah, you think your failure is worse than everybody else's and bigger than everybody else's. And nobody can compare to it. Right. Nobody can understand the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think there's part of that. Like we all do. We either hide our failure. We try to explain mm-hmm. it away. Whatever. And so we, we never learn how to actually face it well. Exactly. Teresa, what do you think uh, is the key or what are some keys to facing failure well and dealing with failure well in your own life? Yeah, I think it's realizing it, owning it, and then learning from it. And so you don't want to do the same thing twice. I mean, maybe you will, but learning from it and just moving on, you know? So I think once we, yeah, oh my gosh, I didn't do that right, like, God told me to write a book. I wrote my first book. I'm pretty sure only supporters and uh, family bought it, you know, or whatever, you know? (laughs) And it's like, now he's told me to write a second one. It's like, okay, try again, you know? Or um, not speaking Spanish the best. I probably speak like a two-year-old when I speak. But what I find is the people that can speak Spanish better than me, they'll correct me sometimes on my tense. Like, oh, you don't say it right. But they themselves won't speak because it's like they're waiting for it to be perfected until they speak. But I'm like a two-year-old. I'm like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And my dad's really excited that I'm using the language that I have. So I'm willing to try with whatever I have and whatever writing skills I have or whatever and just try the thing and then learn from it and not be discouraged the next time I try again. And so that's what I think is the breaking point right now in our culture is that we have... One, I think fear paralyzes us to never try. So mm-hmm. it's like the Spanish speaker that speaks Spanish better than me that won't even speak it because they're, they might mess it up and look like a fool. Or the person that's just bold enough to be like, you know what, I know I'm not perfect and this is not going to come out perfect, but I'm going to use the loaves and the fish that God gave me and then maybe we're going to see a miracle when God adds you know, his part to it. So, Yeah, that's good. And... I think underneath all of this, there's there's this fundamental issue of worth and value. Yeah. And anytime we don't have some questions answered by the Lord about, am I loved? Am I valuable? Am I, yeah. am I worthy of being loved? We just start to look to everything in our external environment to answer those questions, exactly. right? So... Every, every job we do, every time we put ourselves on the line, every relationship mm-hmm. is supposed to answer the question about whether or not we are valuable mm-hmm. and loved. And it's like it's this affirmation of identity. Mm-hmm. And so now failure can't just be a data point about something you're working on. Mm-hmm. It is a definition of who you are and what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
what tell me tell me maybe are, are there things that you've seen that have helped set people free from that or, or or move people towards having those questions answered so that failure doesn't have to be such a big deal it's kind of explaining what you just said and so calling it out i recently did this with some of my some of my friends and said, hey, do you realize that when I like give you constructive feedback, it's like crushing you? Like it actually really, really hurts. And I'm like, it's okay. Like you just messed up. Like just learn and move from it. So I started having these conversations and started using like, okay, you failed here in my vocabulary. And then it became not a big deal. And within months, this one person came to me and said, hey, you taught me how to fly and you taught me how to fail. And it was just from having direct conversations and actually giving them license. Like, it's okay. I don't expect you to get it 100. And the thing is, is that even though I naturally, and I didn't realize it until recently, am okay with failure, I'm also a person of excellence. Mm-hmm. So I love to do things so well. And I remember in Bible school, I missed one question. I got like a 97. That's terrible. And I know. And I was like, but I knew the question was right. And so I challenged it. And so I went back (laughs) to my leaders and I was like, no, um, this question is right. So I think you can, it's the whole grace and truth thing. I know what's right. And so I love excellence. I know how to do things well. But then I also, it's that tension I carry that I know I'm going to fail too. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I can fail and I can be like, okay, yeah, that's not right. I'm going to do things different next time. But I also know what to fight for and how to do it, try to do it well at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say if you're listening to this and you're somebody who really struggles with failure, because even though I've had all these great examples um, and great kind of foundational pieces in my life, I still struggle with this thing. Yeah. Um, But I've learned how to struggle with it and kind of how to reckon with it in my own life. And whenever failure feels extremely powerful for me or the fear of it feels debilitating, um, I've learned to just stop and ask myself the question, like, why is this so important to you? Or yeah. why does why does this particular failure hurt so much? Mm-hmm. And for me, at least, in the way I'm wired, it's usually um, somebody whose opinion I care a lot about yeah. um, has now been tainted or moved, or I've done something that shows them that maybe I'm not as good as they thought I was. Mm-hmm. And, and there is still this whole, like, image management thing that I'm doing, you yes. know? Yeah. And, and every time I fail, I worry about the image that's going to be presented to other people. Yeah. And um, I've just had to learn, like, bringing things into the light is the only way for there to be freedom with that. Yes. And I even, uh, it's ironic, I, I, wrote, I wrote an email last night. I was going to say I had to. I didn't have to write an email, but I wrote an email for my own good and for my own freedom. <coughs> and it was to my two bosses. Mm-hmm. And I was <clears throat> owning some failures that I've had lately. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like owning failures on a lack of follow through on multiple things. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those like mm-hmm. they couldn't necessarily see all the things that I've been failing <coughs> or I've been lacking follow through. Right. But for me, it's so freeing to just be like, hey, Bob, Seth, here are some areas that I have been failing in that I, I need to get better and I need your help. So please point it out when I fail here. Yeah. And that for me mm-hmm. used to be just horrifying yeah. to say to my bosses, the people in authority over me, like, hey, I am failing and I'm not hitting all my marks. 
Whereas now that's become the very thing that brings freedom yeah. for me to actually do my job well mm-hmm. and to work on the things I'm failing at. Yeah. And that's been a huge encouragement to me, Bill. And I've told you this several times, but for the sake of this, like you literally being vulnerable, whether it's a trading camp or just in that example from fresh off the press, like you just did that last night. Yeah, I've got a lot of failure material to work with, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. No, but it... it sets us free to be like, okay, it's not going to be that bad. And it does create a culture of being able to fail. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Teresa, I know that uh, in everything you do, you're always, you're always looking to the word. You're always looking to examples from scripture. Um, Tell me about places that you see failure in scripture Mm -hmm. and uh, how failures kind of dealt with and talked about in the word. Okay. Well, one thing I like is that sometimes history paints a beautiful picture, mm-hmm. and the Bible doesn't do that. It is a beautiful picture. It's the best message ever. Yeah. But it lets you know that David, that got called to be a king, um, actually made an epic mistake, and then it kind of led to more epic mistakes You know, with Bathsheba and then killing her husband and then his child dying that there is there are consequences to our failure and sometimes they're huge like that but somehow God in his grace still allowed consequences but then he still kept David as king and mm-hmm. David had a heart after God and I think the difference between David is that he actually repented yeah but then we have Moses Moses that led the people out of Egypt you know epically failed in something that cost him the inheritance into the promised land after 40 years. Like he was so faithful, so faithful, so faithful. And one fail cost him his inheritance. And I'm like, that puts a fear of God in me. That he didn't, um, he's supposed to speak to the rock instead of strike it, but instead he Mm -hmm. spoke to it and God was like, and it was the way God had done it before. Yeah. But it cost him everything. And that puts a healthy fear of God in me. Like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to just be like, somebody that walks around going, fail, fail, fail. But so it puts a fear of God in me, like think about who's watching. Think about who it will affect. When I'm tempted to sin, I think about like, I'm going to have to tell my niece what I did. So it, it's like I'm not just failing all the time just to fail. But I love that we have biblical examples of people failing and God forgiving, but also that we see the consequences that come as a result. And sometimes there's no turning back, like Esau giving up his birthright mm-hmm. for a bowl of soup, you know, and you're like, Esau, you lost out, yeah. you know, like that was an epic fail. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love those examples. And, and it's a sense like God doesn't, God doesn't shield people from failure. Right. And, and, and God doesn't have like, you know this small, tiny light that's going to be really non-intrusive. Like, mm-hmm. light is is meant to be intrusive. And mm-hmm. um, I still... there. The way God works baffles me because if you, if you put David in front of me as somebody who wants to come on staff for Adventures and Missions, mm-hmm. I'm like, um, adultery and murder mm-hmm. um, and abuse of power and authority, done. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way, yeah. right? And... But God saw something that was going on in David's heart there that made it worth him continuing to journey there, you know? Yeah. Um, and even even Moses, like, not, not to correct you, like, Moses lost this thing he was longing for, which was the promised land. Yeah. But 
it still didn't it didn't cost him everything. He actually mm-hmm. still got the best thing. He still got the yeah. presence of the Lord. He still like yeah. yes, he didn't get to go in there with the people physically. Yeah. But that's just kind of where his story on earth ended and he he transitions and still has a relationship with the father. Like it did not yes. cost him relationship, right? right? But right. there was an earthly consequence mm-hmm. to those actions. Yeah. And I think that's another thing like uh, sometimes when people fail like we we can't it's not just using language that doesn't shield them from failure but yeah. also like allowing them to experience the consequence of failure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I feel like that's that's something that has happened where a lot of parents aren't willing to let their kids do that now. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what feeds into this thing of mm-hmm. this fear of failure because they've never actually experienced the consequences and then worked through it and right. realized I'm either stronger, better off, I learned a lesson, something like that on the other side of it. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and so I, I think that we can be gracious and still give consequence because mm-hmm. consequences is, is such a natural part of that learning process from mm-hmm. failure. Yeah. And some of my biggest failures, which I won't necessarily dive into here, mm-hmm. um, came with lots of pain, yeah. but they ingrained some lessons in me mm-hmm. that I will never have to learn again. Right. Without the pain and consequence that came from that failure, I would have been mm-hmm. like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I'm like, I will never do that again. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was allowed to experience the pain and the consequence of that. Mm-hmm. It's actually for our protection. Because like you said, you never did it again. Like before I was a Christian, I was stealing at a grocery store and got caught and had to go through like 98 hours of community service, serving like sorting through people's old clothes. Yeah. And I'm like, I wasn't even a Christian yet, but you better believe I stopped stealing. Yeah. Like, just because of the consequence. And I'm yeah. so thankful, like, people get stopped for DUIs. I'm so thankful we get caught for stealing. And what I see, what God did, and even in my life before Jesus, he allowed enough consequences to show me, like, truth is not working for you. Like, you've got to change direction. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I feel like I feel like we could talk about this all okay. day. Yes. Um, I, know, I know I could. Uh, but to, to kind of start wrapping things up here... If, if you were to tell people who are listening, like, let's look at this from two different perspectives. One of them is, I am a person who struggles with failure. The other being, I am a leader or I am in a relationship with people who struggle with failure and I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing well mm-hmm. with them. Let's start with the, I am afraid of failure person. Like, what, what tips or uh, what encouragements do you have for people who are sitting in that space? Yeah. I would encourage you, do not let it define you. Like, you are never going to be perfect, ever, ever, ever. And I read in the Bible, in the Greek tense, to be humble is not to compare yourself with other people. You know, sometimes I think social media, we get and we start spying on other people's lives, and we compare ourselves, and we get Mm -hmm. jealous of other people. Just stop, you know? Like, actually, see who God created you to be. You're not, you can't be whatever you want. You're who God wanted you to be. Be that but it says that humility in the Greek means to compare yourself to the Lord. Mm. Yeah. That's I was good. like, that's, I just realized that definition. Compare yourself to the Lord, that means you're never going to get it 100. You're never going to get it right all the time. And just embrace the fact you will fail. Have a good fear of the Lord so you're not just like willy-nilly like, I'm sinning all the time. But be okay that you're not going to make it and it doesn't define you move forward so that would be for the person that can't embrace it 
Compare yourself to the Lord. Don't compare yourself to other people. Got it. All right. And uh, for those who are trying to lead or walk with others um, who struggle with the fear of failing um, and we're wanting to create a healthy culture around this, what words do you have for them? Talk directly about it. When you see someone that you give feedback to or you you know, say, hey, you don't need to do it like this, and it crushes them, when you see that they fall into despair, have a conversation with them. Yeah. And be like, this is not you. This is not your life. This is something that you did, and this is how you can change. Maybe give them some tips. Show them like you do to us. It's okay, and just keep moving forward. And so that's what I would say is start with a direct conversation because like the example I gave, the person I had a direct conversation with about it when I realized it was a problem was able to say within a few months that they learned how to fail. Yeah. Yep, that's great. And I think I think there's, like I said earlier about normalizing failure. Yeah. It's like, don't get yourself all worked up over having a failure conversation with somebody. Yeah. Just kind of approach them like you're talking about, like, the results of last night's football game. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like... Hey, can I talk to you about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you tried that thing. It didn't, didn't really go all that well. That's okay. Like, let's figure out how we can do it better. Yes. And we can move on. All right, sounds good. Like, let's have some coffee or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think either of us drink coffee, but, you know, mm-hmm. we could do something like that. <laughs> Make some tea or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I think the way even we talk about it, if we're super nervous and worked up about it, it feels like a bigger deal to people. Yes. But if we're really comfortable with failure, it's going to help promote that culture around us. Totally. Yep, I've seen that. Because if we don't risk failure, we will never walk in greatness. Yeah. And that's, right. that's so much of, like, we have a culture that is becoming increasingly obsessed with safety and security. <laughs> and in the midst of that, you have people living um, small lives. Yeah. And I don't mean small, like everybody has to do something grandiose that makes them look awesome. Mm-hmm. But... They don't tap into their potential. They're not asking the question of, like, how can I really use these gifts God's given me to do the most I can in the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Instead, it's kind of like, how much do I have to do yeah. and uh, so that people won't give me a hard time? Or there, there's mm-hmm. just not this pursuit of the more. Right. And that's so not what we want for, well, for everybody, but for, for you guys who are listening. And so uh, please take this encouragement, like... Deal with your own fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you know you struggle with it, like just start risking, start trying some yes. stuff you know you're not going to be good at. And when you fail, yeah, find somebody you're going to share it with. Mm-hmm. And just the practice of doing that is going to start a really healthy habit in your life that's going mm-hmm. to set you free to fail, learn from it, develop new strength, and move forward better. Yeah. Teresa, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on failure. Uh, Do you have something you want to say before we we sign off here? Yes, I want to give credit to um, Cameron McAllister. You can listen to his podcast on How to Fail Well or read um, John Maxwell's Failing Forward. These are two resources that I used in developing how I'm thinking about failing, including my own personal experience and stuff like that. But I do want to give credit where credit's due. So thank you, Bill, for this time. Yeah, great. See you guys soon. Have a great week.